0: Good morning, everyone. I will pronounce my name as Anatoly Vesotsky. That's how they say it in Ukrainian. And Ukrainian is my native language. I was born in Ukraine in 1970. February 12, last month, I turned 48. And um, I was born in uh, in the environment that was different from where I live now, where we have freedom, where we have uh, this uh, nice Bible school. You're not afraid that maybe any minute someone will come and arrest you and uh, you might be in a different place. But for me, that was the reality. When we had our secret Bible schools or children's schools, uh, we were taught, first lesson was, in case, you know, police will come, this is what you should do, this is what you should say, and this is what you should not say. You know, because they were usually looking for leaders to arrest them, young people would be usually uh, let go, but they would still interrogate them and ask them questions. You know, who was your teacher? You know, who organized this or that? So we were, from childhood, taught, Uh, Not to say those things. You can tell your parents brought you there or something, but uh, you should not give the names of your um, teachers. And also even help, you know, when when they had brothers meetings or, uh, you know, special members meetings. We as children were taught early uh, how to help. And some of us would be playing outside or in a distance or just doing some things. And if we see something unusual, you know, police cars driving by or, you know, unusual people walking by, we as though, uh, you know, looking for other friends, run or, oh, where's Andrew or where's Mary? And then we run toward where the group was and and inform them, then something unusual. And then they will decide. And usually... (laughs) If possible, leave, you know, uh, in a, in a uh, you know, unnoticeable way. <laughs> um, but that that was the environment I grew up in. And um, from my childhood, I had to make my decisions. What to choose, what to accept, what to follow. So when uh, when brothers asked me to share my testimony, then uh, basically on my way here, <laughs> when one brother texted me and said, You'll be preaching tomorrow, I was like, I wasn't sure (laughs) I would be preaching, but then it uh, made me thinking into what scripture should I read, and uh, one of the examples, or one of the scriptures I would like to start with, would be from Hebrews chapter 12, an example would be for me, uh, Moses, uh, Moses chapter, actually 11, chapter 11 of Hebrews. And verse um, 23, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. As I look at, at our life in general, for me, uh, growing up in a different system, you're growing in this system Uh, I see that big influence or big change or big uh, decision-making point would be done by our parents or by those that gave birth to us or are raising us. So when Moses was born in the environment when the little boy is born, You have to be taken to the river and thrown into the river. You have to make a decision. In the Soviet system, uh, our parents were not allowed to teach children. Our parents were not allowed to have Sunday school or children's meetings. And they had to to make the decision. So when parents of Moses saw that this is a beautiful child. God gave us this child we know of God. We know that we are God's people. We are in bondage here. We are as slaves. But we have the purpose. Our child has a purpose. And now when we read the story. We know God had a plan for Moses. Right? But then. In order for that plan to become a reality. Parents had to make the decision. So probably there were some Jewish. Or, or Israeli families. Or or similar families to uh, Moses' family that had to go with the pressure and probably crying, taking their child and throwing it to the river, or maybe somebody else taking it and throwing it for them. And, and, they, and they were distressed. They, they, they maybe prayed to God, but they did this thing. They, they had to do it. That was the pressure of the day. No one will survive. But this family was a unique family. You know, as we think about it, like all of us are Christians, we know about God, but our reaction to the situations, to the environment might be different. Yes, mother and father are hiding the child. They don't do it the first day. They try to do their best to protect, but then it becomes impossible. And they have to go to the river. But they don't take their child the way other people did. Their friends did. What did they do different? They make this little basket or however this, this thing is. They prepare something else. They do extra. And they put the child there in a safe place. Yes, they do go to the river. They place him in the river. But in a safe environment, you know. That he is not going to drown. And then God takes care of the rest. In a miraculous way. Pharaoh's daughter come. And yes she sees the child. But doesn't throw him into the river. He will be my son. And then these parents that did extra. They have a privilege to raise the son. Right? To teach him something. The principles. Because God directs the rest. So as I'm thinking about my life. I see that my parents... We're different than others. Yes, we had Christians, uh, they went to church and and the church, I mean the government says the church should not bring any child under age of 18. After 18, they, they are becoming adults, they can make their decision and they can come to church. So some parents would not allow their children. They would leave them at home and they go to church. They will leave them with neighbors and go to church. There were some even ministers when some people tried to bring children to church. They would say, we will have to close the church building. We are not allowed. This is the law of the land. And that was the decision. Then my parents said, no, we will make a different decision. We will meet in secret. We will meet in homes. We We will find other friends that we would meet together. We would study the Bible. Bibles were confiscated. But they will try to, uh, sometimes officially, but we had uh, one Bible, it was like, oh, but we we will try each time where, where there was any possibility of, you know, someone coming and uh, checking our house, we had a hiding place, you know, where like we had rabbit cages, you know, hiding place in, in the in the shed and somewhere, where like if we, uh, you know as though we had like these outhouses in the field and, I, and as though you're going there and you on the way there you could simply slip it in, in a place where police or those who searching would not easily find it sometimes they would but that w- that was the way so my parents tried to do their best to protect us to teach us and then Even like young sisters, uh, older sisters uh, that helped in the church. uh, They were saying like, we are not married. We are willing to suffer the consequences. We would teach the children. You know, and they would prepare Bible lessons. They would get us together and uh, make us memorize the scripture. They were teaching us from the beginning that, you know, when, when, if you would be taken to prison. Or sometimes even before like the the age of adulthood, uh, some children were taken from parents uh, to orphanages. So they were teaching us to memorize the scripture. So we had almost like a verse a day, like, uh, like a chapter, like a week or half a chapter. We had to memorize all the time. They said if we hide it in our heart, if we are taken somewhere, then we can write it down. Because uh, we will not be able to have the Bible with us. So that was the process that I was taught. That was different from some other, uh, you know, parents who were also Christians. But that's the approach my parents take. Then we, don't, we didn't have private schools. Uh, everybody went to public schools and we had to go. My parents made the decision, yes, we go to public school. But we don't follow every little details and requirements that they had. So they had special parties. Uh, special celebrations that would not our parents would not allow us to go. And each time we don't go, it's a big issue. Our parents called into principal's office, have to explain. We were ridiculed and, and kind of uh, in front of class. But from the beginning, it also taught us a lesson to be on our guard, to be willing to fight some issues. At least twice a year we had these parades. Like in May. May 1st is like a a celebration of uh, workers and like freedom. And and, uh, everybody had to march through the main square of the city. And uh, it was a Soviet system uh, with Lenin as the leader who organized it. And, And there was a called communist party that was in charge. So they... Everybody had to march with big signs that said like glory to Communist Party. Glory to our big leader Lenin and, and things like that. And I said, I have to give glory to God. That's what my parents taught me. That's what I am beginning to understand. And my parents would say, you would not go there. And, and I obeyed that and we would not go there. One time, I remember, I, I, just, thought, I, I just wanted to see what it is. Why it's like so much promoted... So I said I would not march, so my teacher said, okay, I'll make an exception. If you don't march, then you will carry all the coats with some other children that were not, I don't know, willing to walk. So they gave me like this whole pile of coats uh, to carry to the other side of like the square. We had to go around the block. So as I went there, I was like, yes, I'm not marching, but I'm carrying this heavy stack of coats because they had to be dressed well, you know, to present themselves. So after I I went around the block and we met the group of the students from my class, I gave them back their coats. I learned, uh, in a way, uh, my lesson a hard way. Even in this, like, it seems like you're not going all the way, but you're willing, you know, to go and just at least to see it, how to to try to understand and, and make you know uh, educated decision, you know, if your parents are right or not, and 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 through this walk around the block, I personally learned, you know, that that you will even kind of suffer more if you don't obey. Um, or listen to your to the advice of your parents so it was like a, a little simple way but that helped me to reevaluate other you know events and then i would not go there but later like in in higher grades they had us to sign uh, the paper like tomorrow is the uh, marching day <laughs> they uh, require every student that you sign i will be present And then they will have an issue, you know, you did sign the paper, you promised to come and not to come. And I'm like, I don't know what will happen to me. First of all, I'm not willing to march because of other reasons, but also I don't know what will happen to me. So I would would refuse to sign. So then I would be sent to the principal, and again the issue discussed, and it would be a few times a year. So, uh, it gave, in a way, an opportunity for me, from time to time, evaluate and re-evaluate of where I stand. So, uh, to make a a point here, I, I am saying that very important is for what the decision our parents are making. Because they will affect if we are safe or not. Many of other friends whose parents made the decision. Well, it's okay. They were like saying, these are children. I mean, they can march. I mean, they're, it's like innocent thing, like carrying a the sign. They're not, they don't even understand what the sign is. They just carry the sign. We avoid the issue. Everything's simple and resolved. It was not the same way for me. But later I saw those children going farther and farther astray. And then they were not trusting their parents nor the system. And usually they would lean toward the, the own way. So I was thankful to my uh, parents for going a different way. Making a different decision from how the rest did. In that system also, they had like from the beginning, from the first grade... Uh, to go and kind of lean over the system, they had a little a red star. And, in, and uh, in the center of the star, they had a picture of Lenin on the star. And they had this big celebration that you're becoming you know, part of the uh, you know, system, communistic system. And, and, and it was like this little bright pin. And this was a special day when everybody would get that pin. My parents would not send me to school. Or not my siblings. We would not go to school. Other parents would. But then later, uh, you had to wear this pin every day. As a reminder, I am a follower of the greatest system in the world, you know. And like brother said that, you know, the Soviet system was number one enemy for the United States the same way we were taught. From time to time, we had like this, these special meetings and they were telling us, you know, we are for peace. We are for the best system in the world. We are for everybody being equal. Like, like even, you know, some religious people say, you know, the Acts, first chapters, how believers lived. Everybody, they shared everything. That's what we are building. This system is the best in the world. Soon other system will fall and we would be, you know, uh, progressing. And, and they were saying, America is number one enemy because they want war. They go everywhere and create war all over the place. And I remember they were like, let's sign these petitions to President Reagan at that time when I was in school. Or, you know, others, you know, tell them, you know, stop this, you know, military action, stop this. And, and I was like, I believe they're my brothers and sisters I believe there are young men and young ladies who are saying, No, we don't want war. We want to live, with, uh, live in peace with everyone. And so all this was a preparation for the time when at the age of 18, it's more applicable to men. At the age of 18, every young man had to go to the army. Well, we have a requirement here, right? You have to enlist too, like you have to register. So, But you don't, I guess, really worry about it. You just register and, you know, whatever. Seven years later, you're free kind of, you know, because you're a different age. But there, you had to go and serve. For my parents, it was at least three years. When I was at that age, it was two years. But that year difference, they changed it and we had to take classes in school for that. You know, they were teaching us in school the military preparation. And for me, as I began to understand the system and what my parents were teaching in a Christian way, I prayed, God, I want to live in peace with everyone. I want to serve you. And I don't want to waste two years of my life in... In a prison or in a military camp, because like in my parents, my father's uh, situation, he did serve three years. but for us Christians, we would, not, we would not take an oath of allegiance when you go to the military. Most of our people did go uh, and uh, um, were willing to do the work, were willing to serve, so most of the Christians were taken into construction whatever you call these, like groups uh, in the military. So that's where my father served. And then he did not take an oath. So uh, there was like a, uh, like a certificate, military certificate that said that he did not take pledge of allegiance to whatever, to the army. Uh, but uh, he was willing and, and he did uh, for a little bit. He was a driver and also he did construction work. But many of our young people uh, from, uh, from the stories that I was told suffered a lot. Because they will interrogate, beat them up, and uh, do all kinds of uh, pressures to make you obey the system. And even before that, one of our men, one of the brothers in our church, he was a young man that... Uh, was simply helping, he worked at the mill and he was helping, um, helping people, uh, you know, to do, to do, who brought their grains to get the flour, but the section where I was born, it was Poland at a certain time. Then it became Ukraine, then it became uh, like occupied by the Germans and then it went back to the Soviet system and it stayed with Ukraine. So, uh, when the Soviet system came, they said, you were helping the enemy. You know, you were, he was like, he was a young man, 16 years old. But they arrested him and he spent 10 years in prison. Even at the age of 16. So, as I was growing up, I had to make my decisions early. So, at about age of 12 one of my friends said are you considering of becoming a member of the church you know being baptized i wasn't really thinking about it yet but my friend motivated me to think and i was like if i become a member of the church then i could be taken to prison anytime because of this older brother he was telling his story so that took me about three years. I was 15 when I made the decision to follow Christ, to, be, to become a member of the church, to be baptized. And, and that was not an easy decision because I watched my father, I watched other friends. So for me to become a member of the church meant tomorrow you might be going to prison or to be sent to Siberia. So that was like, in in young years, that was was my preparation. God had a different plan. God changed the system. In my case, I can be among you. I can be in a free system. But in my heart, I was willing and ready. And was preparing for that. With all kinds of processes. For example, I see this water. Uh, Our brothers were telling me, if you go to prison some days, if you were put in a special uh, cell, there's only one glass of water per day that they give you, and a little piece of bread. That's all you eat. So I, as I was a young man, I was like, I have to become a member of the church. I have to prepare myself. So I was like, "How do you prepare?" So I tried to like take a little sips of water per day and, and and get a piece of bread and just divide that. And that's the only thing I would eat for a week, you know, or, you know, two weeks. Just to practice. Then uh, prepare myself emotionally and physically to see if I can survive. So those were like little things that helped me to make my decisions. So first, parents make the decisions. In some cases, I know there are exceptions. You know, in my, like, mother's. Uh, my father was born in a Christian home because my grandfather, when it was still Poland, he was able to go to South America, country of Argentina just to get some work and he was planning maybe to move there with his family. but that's where he met Christians. So I have special feeling for spanish speaking, especially country of Argentina some of my family visited I never visited but I have special feeling because someone there shared the gospel to this you know foreigner from Ukraine but or Poland and and uh, my grandfather was a changed person he came back he wanted to share the faith then the worst started he was in prison he spent 10 years in prison he got sick after the prison so I actually didn't see my grandfather I was born after he died but Stories of my father and how your grandfather was faithful, motivated me to follow the faith and, uh, and prepare myself and, and get ready. So maybe one of the reasons when the system began to change, the Soviet system, there was a, a Secretary Gorbachev, maybe some of you heard, Michael Gorbachev, he began to allow some freedom and that was the time when my family was able to move. So, maybe the dream of my grandfather to move somewhere where the things could be different, you know, motivated my parents. I don't know the details, but that was one of the reasons that we could come here. So, the decisions made by my parents. On my, father, on my mother's side, my mother grew up in a single-parent family. My grandmother was not a believer. She was very sick in her childhood. Uh, unaccepted, uh, was not accepted by her peers. She, they, they would ridicule. She, she had all kinds of wounds on her face. So he had like uh, deep wounds on her face. And, and uh, I guess parents at that time, they were not, they didn't have money and they didn't have enough treatment and they were not treating their girls the same way as boys. They were saying, boys need to go to the army. They need to write a letter to us. They need to get educated, you know they need to be healthy and this things like so from my grandmother's story, she was not like even in her family treated well and then later when she uh, when, when she was a teenager and and uh, after like she became an adult, she had two children on her own and, and and she took care of them they said, you know maybe this will heal you know other wounds, but it created more emotion, emotional problems for my grandmother. And, and it was not the best environment. So my mother didn't grow up in a you know, protected spiritual environment. But what I, I want to say. There were some other Christians, neighbors. That were showing good example. That noticed this single lady with two children. And they invited my mother you know to their, to their church. In another village. And my mother went. And my mother repented. And my mother came to know the Lord. And later my grandmother became a believer. My grandmother was not educated. Uh, she could not in the beginning read. But when she became a believer. She began to learn letters. And she was able to read the Bible. We had, later we had this big Bible. So she would read to us. As little children. She would take the newspaper. And she's like. I don't understand what this says. You know. Maybe partially. Because it was like. All kinds of. Special communistic words. And expressions. But she said. When I read the Bible. I do understand. She was like. Word for word. But she was able to learn. Letters. And she was always telling us. You know. God taught me the alphabet. To read the Bible. I'm not reading other books. I'm not reading other literature. And there was another lady that also repented in her village that was about the same age when I was on one of the trips and as I was sharing about my grandmother, just remember her, she said, "You know what the similar thing happened to me when I became a believer. I never went to school and well how can you read the Bible she said, but now I can read the Bible It was like, "How did you learn?" She said, "You know what? I had a best teacher when Who was your teacher she said uh, it was a man dressed in white. It was during a few weeks of time. He would come uh, when I, in my sleep and give me lessons. You know, this is the letter, and this is how you pronounce it. And then she said, in the morning, I was able to tell which letter it was. So she learned in her dream. She said, I didn't have any special teacher. And she was able to read the Bible. I was like surprised and, and blessed by that. By that. And I think when we are willing to follow the Lord, I noticed through these old ladies, you know, my grandmother and this other lady. That when in the system that they didn't treat them well, that didn't provide the safe environment, God knew how to do it. And if there was nobody, God was able to help. You know, like in the, in the situation of Timothy in the Bible, Paul is writing to Timothy letters and says, I remember... Your tears, you know. I remember your faith was in your grandmother. I don't know the, t- the situation there, but it always reminds me of my grandmother. Maybe it was a terrible situation, not the right treatment. I remember your mother, and I remember you. Maybe you didn't grow up in the best environment, but God had Paul for Timothy. You know, he is going to be your son. Maybe you don't have the father, but maybe there is someone, spiritual leader in the church. Maybe it's your, it's your neighbor. God knows how to provide the environment. So God sends Paul. And later, Paul is writing, you know, follow me the way I follow Christ. There would be a good example. So, as I look at our situation, I don't know your past. Maybe you grew up in a safe environment, like my father did, you know. You were taught the right principles, like my parents did for me. You know, they, they chose the right way. Like the Moses, he was in the safe basket, you know, that is not leaking. He is on the water. He is protected. That's what my parents did. But even if you were not in a safe environment growing up, God has someone. Hallelujah. God has someone to help you if you're willing and sincere and say, God, I know, I, I want to know the right way. I want to follow you. So, that's the decision of our parents. Second step is our own decision. And I read about Moses. When he grew up, he had to make his personal decision. He had to decide, do I live with Pharaoh? Or do I live with my parents, with my people? And suffer with them? You know, the same was in my life. I had to make these decisions. And then when I decided, it, it was like willing to suffer. Willing to go to prison. So when I was 15, we had also other friends. There were two other young men, a year older than I. And, and there was one young lady. So in, in our little group of, I don't know, maybe like 40, 30, 40 believers that we would gather. And we would have our home meetings. And, and uh, that was 19... Um, 1986, year of 1986, it was still the Soviet system. Uh, We had our own classes, you know, Bible classes and uh, special preparation. And they explained to us how things would be done. And then we we had our water baptism. There was one family that that lived near the river about maybe a quarter of a mile on the edge of the town. So that's where we gathered like one by one to the place. We had our little church service uh, for a little, maybe hour and a half. And then when it got dark, we all went to the river. So I was baptized at about 10 p.m. on September 20th, 1986, when it was already dark. And uh, I don't have any pictures of my water baptism (laughs) Uh, you know, some, some of you might have, you know, I, I, didn't ha- I don't have, um, you know, this joyful, big uh, group of people. But I had these sincere believers with whom I went. And the Lord heard my expression of being faithful and, and, and my promise. And, and so from that day forward, I saw more and more blessings of God. I was praying, you know, it was, I was almost 16, 15, then in February I turned 16. I went to technical school where uh, my friend motivated me to be a crane operator. I don't know, you probably have some of these cranes. These cranes are like big factory cranes or those big cranes that uh, big, big buildings. And, uh, you know, Ukraine Russia have a lot of high-rises. So these are big cranes. So uh, his father was a crane operator, and he was like, it's a good job. You know, it's clean. You stay in this, you know, little uh, cabin. In some ways, it's maybe somewhat dangerous. But, you know, I was scared. The first time I climbed the crane, it was a windy day, and this crane is waving. I'm like, what kind of profession is this? But even, even with that, I went to this technical school. And we were studying for about one month. And then the teacher calls us, me and my friend, and says, I found out that you're Christians. I don't know how he found out, but he said, I recommend you to quit school. You're not going to get your diploma. You cannot be, you know, crane operators, even with that profession, because you're Christians. And I was almost uh, willing to quit uh, because I knew myself. My friend was more like flexible. He, he might go with the system sometimes when they had some parades. He was like, I was sick, you know, yesterday and I couldn't come. When, they, when he had to explain why he didn't come, I would explain it. I don't believe that. I, and I cannot sincerely express, you know, my appreciation for the system. <laughs> I believe in God. I cannot do this. And they were like, oh, you are in our area they called us Stundists. I don't know, I was told this in German, there is like Stunder or something, an hour. So they had believers who would meet for an hour. So it, it, it became like a derogatory term, you know. Stundists, like he's Stundists. And you know, in some other sections they would call Baptists or um, in southern Ukraine they would call them pokaitos. Pocaitos means like repented ones. He's repented ones. You know, he's Stundists. So he was like you know, they were putting me down and I was like, I don't know what to do. One month. And then, um, he said like, we, we wasted one month. Let's just go with the program. It was a three-year program. Okay. So, I stayed at the school even after that, but I would not participate in all those activities. Three years passed by. Uh, there is a big day when uh, you have final exam and you prepare a special project. There is a group of about, 15 teachers and specialists, in in my case it was crane uh, operators and like other, you know, specialists that evaluate you. You explain your project, you present your project and they evaluate you and then they give you, they had the different levels of, um, I don't know how to say it in English, like specialization, like how well you can do this. So and they had like one through five. Five was the best. Or six I think. One through six. Because I got actually (laughs) level five. Six was like the the most difficult situations, like it would be like unloading like some dangerous loads and things like it it just in, in unique environments you operate those cranes where like electric lines and other things, like very extreme situations. So we didn't have those. But in other things, I was given like level five. Anyway, so I came for this project. The whole school is gathered. It was about 2,000 students and, they, and, and the teachers, and, and they announced. From the whole school, there are two students who are not allowed to take this final exam. And it's like, and, and the teacher of my class says, And the sad thing is that one of the students is in our group. It's Anatoly vesotsky Like, I was shocked. I didn't know. And they said, he got a failing grade in a military class. I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was only 18. And I'm like, I wasted three years now for nothing. Like, you are uh, disgraced before the whole school. And then I was called to the principal. You're not going to do your project today. Um, You failed the class. What, what I didn't do, I attended all those military classes. Uh, some of them, they, they showed some videos how things are done, like militarily. You know, yeah, I did close my eyes to some of the scenes when they were showing, uh, like the, these movies. But then they had like practical things, you know, like how to wear like protective wear if, you know, instead, you know, in, in, in case of bombing. You know, how to run, escape, you know, hide. You know, when they're shooting, you have to lay down, crawl, and things like that. You know, they teach you tricks how to act in in military, you know, uh, stressful situations. But then when they were teaching us how to put together, you know, those guns, or how you call them? I don't even know. The, The arm, you know, how to separate all those things, how to put them together... And then, um, I would not do those. I said, I'm not planning to kill anyone. I don't want to learn. So, I would refuse. And then, uh, but, but I was getting good grades for all the rest, you know. I, I would answer, like, questions, you know. Everything was like, I got, I got the best grade. Like, it was, the system was one through five. Where, where you have here is like ABC. We had, like, five is the best. And then, it's like four. So, I get fives. You know, it's, it's as A's here. But then the final exam was for three days, the whole school had to go to like a special practice field. We had to shoot, run, and do all the tricks. And I didn't go for that. And I said, I'm not practicing this. I want to live a peaceful life. And that's why they gave me, they, they said, the final grade, like the, the final exam, the grade for the class cannot be higher than the final exam grade. And it was failing grade was two, so I got two, and that's it. But uh, uh, I was called to the principal. I was sent to the main, um, like city office where they have religion, uh, the government representative for religious uh, reasons. So he was reading me the Bible. He said, "You know, look how how the Israelis, you know, killed." You know, enemies, you have to protect your family. They were explaining things to me. I had a few days of all those visits, and my parents were called. To make a long short story short, at the end, I was allowed to take this final exam with another group. Uh, it was just a short. And then they gave, me, um, they gave me the level five as far as education. They gave me a diploma. I don't know what they did to the grade. I don't know, they just—they put three, which was the lowest passing. I don't know who did what, but that's, that's what happened in my case. But I had to go through all this, and I had to make the decision. And, and in those times, I remember when my parents were saying that during the wartime, they would come and, you know, young people, you know, you have to go with us. Take the gun, and they would give you a gun. And if you refuse, then they said, well, then we're going to shoot you. And it was like short decision. And sometimes they would make those who took the gun shoot their brother. You know because or they also had cases when they said you know take the gun. Take the gun like the group of young people there would be taken. Those who refused they said okay we will let you go. And they would shoot the one who was not faithful. And they would say you know you were not faithful to your faith. We are not sure you're going to be faithful to us. And then, you know, the rest, you know, you may go f- free for today. So in those decisions, uh, I mean, in those stories, when I w- was listening to them, I made the decision, I hid it in my heart that I have to remain faithful all the time. So when, when this day for my military action came, I mean, uh, enlistment came, um, I was always praying, Lord, Deliver me from this environment. So I come to this final medical evaluation. And that day, my nose is running, you know, tears and nose. And I'm like, terrible condition. And, and they had like about 20 doctors, you know. They evaluate, you know, your bones, your muscles, your nose, uh, ears, everything. They check you, okay. And then I go through these doctors and I come to this ear, nose. And he, his specialist, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you're sick. You have to get treatment. You, you're not going to be treated in the army. For other guys, they were saying, they were like, "I'm my leg, I, you know, I can't use my leg, I can't use my arm. He said, that's okay, you'll be treated there. For me, I don't know. I believe that was God's providence. He said, you're sick, you got to be treated because it's going to be worse there. He said, is there another reason that, uh, you, is there another issue that we need to check? And I said, yes, when I was in eighth grade, I was running track in school, and I... Uh, fell on the track, I was running 100 meters, about halfway, I tore some ligaments or muscles in my leg, left leg, I was sent to the hospital, taken from there, and um, I spent about a month in the hospital, they didn't know what to do, if they, to do surgery or treatment, they were treating me with heat, and later they said that it was worse, so I was sent to Kiev, they didn't really treat me. They wanted, I, uh, my parents believed they wanted bribes. And so they gave me paper, you know, restrained from, you know, heavy duty work and basically sent me back. So this man said, oh, you had an injury to your leg. I said, yeah. So he said, I will send you to the hospital for reevaluation." So I'm sent to the hospital and the la- lady that treats my nose... Uh, her husband is the main doctor at the military hospital that makes final decisions. So, while I am treated here, uh, in two, three days or so, we go to this military. We, it was only like a mile away from this hospital. So, we walked with this lady doctor that she is treating me. She said, I will take you to the military hospital for the final checkup. Um, so we come here, and her husband is is the man uh, in charge of that of that hospital, and he's like, okay. When I was called into the room, there are other doctors, and he's like, uh, explain your story. I told them, and, and one of the doctors, the other doctor says, maybe we should send him to Kiev to the main, uh, you know, hospital there to see, maybe something should be done, and, and this man, who's Wife is treating me at the hospital, and at the hospital, I in a few days I developed friendly relationship. There were other Christians. We were singing songs, giving tracts, and you know we created a riot in in the hospital, and and they liked it. Like from other rooms, they would come to listen to our singing and things like that. And this lady, for some reason, liked it. She's like, "You're good," and so I don't know what she told her husband, but he's like, "We can make decisions here, right?" And he's telling me, "Go and wait." You know, outside in the hallway. So as I wait there, I don't know what will happen. Other men, young men come back to the room. And they say, no, you will be treated in the army. You're okay. Then I came in. And they're like, we made the decision. You are not suitable to serve in the army in the peaceful time. Only in the time of war. So I was like, praise the Lord. So that's how God delivered me from that situation. And then... Later, as you can see, in a few years, God takes me not to Siberia, but to the United States. And I am here. So now I am praising God for my parents. I am praising God for, for His help in helping me to make the right decisions. And now I want you, I, want to, you have, I have some time yet, right? A few minutes? I want to challenge you and I want to, um, to be willing to be looking for those that might need, you know, older generation. Maybe we can be a parent to someone who is not growing in the best environment. Maybe we can, you know, support them. Maybe we can give them the right advice to motivate them to stand. I never imagined that uh, the Soviet system will collapse. But from my childhood, I had a dream. I'm going to check America, if possible. I want to see if if it's true that they want this war, war, war. God saw my desire. And, uh, you know, sometimes my friends were able to travel to other socialistic countries, like Romania, Yugoslavia at that time. It was part of the block of countries, but it was not the Union. Soviet Union was almost like United States. Like there was no borders. Like between states. Here you just travel. See the sign. You know, IOI, you go. The same was between Ukraine and Russia. Not anymore. Now they're fighting Ukrainians. You know, Ukrainians are not really excited about that. But now young men have to make a real decision. You know. They have to go to the army now. Some of them escaped to France, England, Poland trying to hide for this time. Some are trying to go there. They, they refuse, you know, to bear arms. And these are important decisions. Time change, and, and as I didn't imagine that the Soviet system, such a strong system, would collapse and change, then when I see the stability and, and, and you know, everything well in the United States, I am praying, Lord, keep this and improve this We see some changes that are not exciting. And and also things could change rapidly. But may God help all of us. And as we look at friends and enemies. Love your enemies, right? I don't know how my theme fits here. But uh, I think that we should be willing to be on God's side. Then we will be on the right track in any environment. Either we will live in a free country or maybe, I don't know, China or, you know, other country occupies us and we have to learn Chinese, you know. I had to learn Russian. It's, it's helpful now. I mean, it was hard, but then I'm thankful I meet people from other countries. Their language is totally different. I can communicate in Russian. Um, maybe for you a challenge, learn another language. And there are some immigrants who are coming, you know. Some of them are from those countries who are enemies, you know. Learn the language, communicate, be a servant. In Matthew 25, Jesus said that the people would be divided into two different groups. Some on the left, some on the right. And Jesus said that I was somewhere, like in prison, I was hungry, I needed clothing. I think there are some other people who need help. And some of the Christians, they live in a free country. I have money, I have freedom, I have... Good life, they don't notice anybody. They're not willing to share. Then there is another group. Yes, I have something. But their, their heart is motivated to help. You know, like Paul noticing Timothy. This is a sincere man. I will work with him. I will invite him to my house. I will learn his language. I will help him. I will encourage him. And he will be a great person for the Lord. So may, may we be looking for those who might need our help. Not only enjoy our freedom, not only enjoy you know, the blessings, but motivate others. Be willing to help. Um, it starts with the family sometimes, when you are willing to serve in the family. Like David, remember David? He was not noticed when the prophet came. And he's like, his brothers, I'll be the king, I'll be the king. No, the Lord has not chosen you. This is little David, right? He is just taking care of sheep. He is serving his father faithfully. He praises the Lord with, uh, with what he has. And then God chooses him. You know, you serve, start with, with the family. Then God can choose you and you can serve the people. You can, tr- you can serve your church. You can serve our nation, you know. Maybe other nations. You can help others. So may God help you. There is lady... Called Rachel, he served, She serves her father, her family. She is motivated. She is willing to do the work. But she also notices other people, even foreigners. Yes, she dreams of good marriage. She dreams of, of her future life. She prays about it. She doesn't know how it will happen. She just does her daily task, comes to the well. And there's Abraham's servant there. Remember that? I want a drink. And this lady says, I'm in a hurry, no? I have to take this water to my parents. Uh, I'll I'll send someone. Or wait. No, she's like, okay. take Take a drink. And by the way, while you drink, your camels need a drink, right? Camels drink a lot. How many camels were there? Ten camels. You know, it's buckets and buckets of water. And she's willing to help. She's like, I'm going to help. And then she knows we have food for the camels. You can stay overnight. I help my parents. We organize our house. If we see foreigners, guests, we have room for you. You know, she makes a decision. You know, like her father's, you know. It's like, she is that kind of a lady. May God help me and you. You know, there are other examples. Like like uh, Daniel and, and his you know, friends, remember? They don't bow down. They don't, you know, change and waver. They pray to God and they remain faithful. Even in a foreign land. Remember little girl? We don't know her name. She's nameless. She's far from her parents. She was taken captive. But there is Master Naaman. He's sick, right? He needs help. And she remembers I don't know what she did at home. It seems like she was at the church services. She was at the meetings with prophet. She knew something that others' children maybe didn't know. She didn't play games all the time on the cell phone or whatever the games they had at that time, you know. Probably she did have time to go with her parents to the church or to the meetings with with other believers. with, with, With men of God. And then when she saw this man needs help. He is my enemy. I'm not going to help him. That's good. Maybe someday my parents overcome this system and take me back. No. She's saying, yes, we are enemies. I am sad. I'm here. I have to serve. But I am willing to serve even the enemy. Right? And then the amen goes. God heals him in Jordan River. And probably, we don't know the end of the story. Probably that girl... Was able to change her life. Probably life was different for Naaman. Who was serving God. Probably the the life of the girl was different too. May God help all of us. To be faithful. We have our own challenges. But what do you decide? There were some decisions your parents made. They taught you something. There was a decision. You made a good decision to come to Bible school. What do you help? What do you put there? That that, uh, Daniel, I think it says that he purposed in his heart. There's something that is deep inside of you. I am going to follow God. What happens if the system changes? You have to take arms and kill your brother. I'm not going to change. Lord, help me. Yes, I am, you know, I wasn't physically, you know, willing to fight. I wasn't, God knew how to help me. He answered my prayers. He changed my world. He changed my system. Not because I am so good. But because I was crushed. Like someone preached last night. Right? You got to be crushed. You got to understand you are nobody. You are not something special. But Lord I want to be used by you. And God can you know glue those pieces together. Make something beautiful. You know create something different. And you can walk with the Lord. And be blessed. And be a blessing to others. So may God help all of us. To be willing. So now you have time of preparation. Time time of decisions. Time of uh, making your own choices. When Moses grew up. He made the right choice. Now it's time. It's our time. May God help you and me. To be faithful. To make the right decisions. To purpose in our heart. Love our friends. Love our enemies all the time. Follow the Lord all the time. Live for God. Are we going to pray yet? or Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. To live this, this way. Dear Heavenly Father. We are your children. Thank you Lord for finding us. We are not special, but you are special. You are all-powerful, God. You change systems of the world. You make the decisions that people cannot change. Lord, and thank you for choosing us. Sometimes when I grew up, Lord, I felt like Elijah felt that he was left alone. That, were, that, that there were only a few of us. But you told Elijah at one point, 7,000 are there. Lord, we want to be on your side. You're building your church from all the nations and all the people. And you want to use us. I don't know where you want to use us, here in the United States or other countries. Lord, motivate all these young people that came to Bible school. Motivate them to purpose in their heart. To be faithful to you. To be obedient to you. To be willing to sacrifice. To be willing to serve others. Bless their parents. And uh, if someone needs someone to guide them. Lord send them their way. And uh, may they be faithful to the end. Yes there are cases that some died Lord. In the Soviet army. Yes some of my friends they suffered. Lord my grandfather suffered my uncle suffered they they went through the prison but in my case you changed you gave me a different situation a different environment we don't know how long this will last but help us to be faithful in whatever we have now and help us to purpose in our heart to be faithful to the end love our neighbor love Also our enemies. Lord help us to notice those around us. There are so many suffering people. There will be two groups. Those that notice and those that didn't. Lord help us to be in the one that is willing. To share what we have. Willing to serve. And to live for you. In any circumstances. May your name be glorified. May your name be lifted up. High Lord. Work through us. To bless others. And help us to remain faithful. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.